Part two of The Dialogue of Thomas and Mary, rendered into simple English, from the vernacular of John Collier, by Elijah Ridings. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thomas, thou wilt say so presently. Well, I was tired of that place, and crept away without bite or sup or cup of sneeze, for I blundered and let that go too. I soon inquired this gentleman's hall out, and when I got there I gave a glance into the shippen, and saw a man standing in the group. Said I, Is your master at home, pray you? Ay, said he. I wish you would tell him I would fain speak to him, said I. Yea, said he, that I will do. So he was no sooner gone but a fine, fattish, bulky gentleman came in a trice, and asked me what I wanted. Said I, I understand you want a bandy hewit, sir and I have a pure one to sell here. Let us see the shape of her, said he. So I stroked her down the back, and threw her on the ground. She's the finest that I ever saw, said he, but I doubt things will fall unluckily for thee, for I got two this last week, and they made up my count. Now, Mary, I was ready to cruttle down, for thou mightst have knocked me over with a pea. But, what's the price, said he? I cannot afford her to mine own brother under a guinea, said I. She's cheap at that, said he, and no doubt but thou may sell her. Mary. God's like! You were long in finding a chapman. Everybody is always fitted, so. Thomas. Aye, fitted, aye, for they needed none, no more than I need water in my shoon, not they. But thou shalt hear. Then, said he, there's an old cratchinly gentleman that lives at yon house among yon trees just anent us, who I believe will give thee a price. If not, just this such an one is a likely man if thou wilt go thither. Said I, I was there last evening, and he had met with one the morning before. That happened foully for thee, said he. Aye, aye, said I, so it even did, for I made a deal of labour about it, I'm sure. Well, but this old gentleman is the likeliest of any I know, said he. So I made him my manners, and set out for this other place. Mary. I hope you'll have better luck in God's name. Thomas. Why, I thought I should too, for now it popped into my mind that Nip did not hold the tail eye enough, and that folk would not buy her because of that. And if thou hast not forgotten, I bought two ounces of pepper when I bought my salt, and though it was thodden as thigh cake, I'd rubber with it, for I'd seen Humphrey Matthews play that touch by his crocktail mare that day Yem of the Red Bank came to buy her. So just before I got there, I took Nip and rubbed her well in faith, even till she howled again. I was at the house in a crack and met with the old gentleman in the fold about to get on horseback. Said I to him, Is your name Mr. Scar? Said he, Thou art either there or thereabouts. And I guess I am he that thou meanest. What wantest thou with me? I'm informed, said I, that you want a bandy hewit, and I have as first rate a one in my arms as there is in any England shires. That's a great breadth, said he. But prithee, let's handle her a bit, for if I touch her I can tell whether she is right bred or not. Mary. Odd, but that was a mighty wise old fella. Too, too. Thomas. Slesh, Mary. I think in my conscience that he was the greatest rascal of them all. But I let him handle her. He was so silly, and his hands shook so desperately, that he could not stick to her, and she leapt down. 
now for it thought i nip cock thy tail and show thyself but instead of that she clapped her tail between her legs and crept into a hole in thorstone mary fie on her i should have been as mad at her as a vexed wasp thomas why i was as mad as thou couldst be that she'd shamed herself so woefully however i said to the old man must i take her again for you will find that she's no lapdog of a bitch no no said he i feel she is fat as a snig and as smooth as a mole and i find as plain as a pikestaff by her lenock ears that she is right bred and i would have had her if she had cost me a moidor but that a friend has sent me one out of yorkshire and i need no more but i will swap with thee if thou wilt no said i i'll swap none for i'll either have a guinea for her or she shall never go while my head stands on my shoulders then i can chaff her none with thee said he but hast thou been at yon fine building opposite ay said i but he has enow of them well but they're as scant now as ever they were in this world said he and there's one muslin in rochdale that is a mighty fine lover of them why said i i shall go and see now mary i began to mistrust that they were making a fool of me mary the firrups take them but they never would be all alike thomas why but all that tongue a little and thou shalt hear for i thought i would try this other fellow and if he had gotten fitted too i would try no more for then he would be as plain as blackstone edge that they were making an arrant gawby of me so i went to rochdale and spurred this man out i found him at the back of his shop-board with a little dog beside him thought i to myself i wish thou wert choked this fellow will be fitted too i doubt well said he honest man what do you please to have i want nothing that you have said i for i'm come to sell you a bandyhewit now mary this rascal as well as all the rest praise my bitch to the very welkin but at the time he didn't want one mary eh woe is me thomas i doubt but that they were making a perfect natural of you thomas a natural ay the biggest that ever was made since cain killed abel and now i was so stark mad i was arrantly bewildered and could have found in my heart to have beaten all their heads together i was no sooner out of doors but a throng of rabblement were watching for me at the door one of them said this is he another is here and one barter's bastard asked me if i'd sold my bandyhewit by the mass mary i was so angry at that that i up with me grip and fist and hit him a good box on the ear and then with me shoe punched him into the channel and ill-grimed and dirted the lad was for sure then they all set against me and before i had gone above a rood the lad's mother came and crept softly behind me and got me by the hair and down came nip and i into the gutter and the woman on top of me while this tussle lasted her lad and the bastards all took his part kept grinning and dirtying me with sink dirt that i thought mine eyes would never have done good again for i might as well have been in a midden sluice at the taking of forty owls mary ah well a day what abundance of misfortunes you had thomas ay for if old nick owed me a spite he paid me home with use for while the skirmish lasted all the town were clustered about us 
i shamed as if i had stolen something and scampered away with a flea in my ear up the brow into the churchyard there i had a mind to see if anybody followed me i turned me and what the dale dost think but i had lost nip mary what say ye that thomas it's true mary so i called and whistled but no nip was to be found i nor low and for all i knew my master set such store of her because of her fetching the cows and sheep up i durst as soon have taken a bear by the tooth as to offer to search for her in the town so i took homeward for it was nearly night and i had neither bite nor sup nor cup of sneeze all that day mary why you would be as gaunt as a ground and nearly famished thomas i tell thee mary i was nearly bewildered then i thought my heart would have sunk into me shoon for it felt as heavy as a ball and i stank so it made me as sick as anything and i had two or three water tombs beside all this my belly ached and in this plight i must creep home and face my master mary eh hey, dear what kind of a bout had you with him thomas why i shall tell thee more of that by and by but first i must know that as i was going towards home as down-hearted and as melancholy as a methodist who fancies himself pregnant with the devil a man overtook me riding on horseback and leading another thought i to myself this is some yorkshire horse jockey i wish he would let me ride for thou must know i was woeful weak and faint this thought had hardly glanced through my head before the fellow said come up honesty thou lookst as if thou wert ill tired thou shalt ride a bit if thou wilt that's what i want i said if you please for i'm nearly done so look thee mary i got on and i thought i never rode easier since i could get hamstridden on a horseback mary a good deed thomas that was no ill fellow you would have no ill look at this bout in god's name thomas eh hey, mary thou hast even guessed wrong many and many a time and now thou passes by the bowl again for i wish i had ridden our billy's hobby horse a whole day together instead of getting on this horse for hearken thee to me we had not ridden above five rood but the feller asked me how far i was going that way says i about a mile and a half that's right said he there is an alehouse just thereabout i will ride before and thou must come softly after and i will stay for thee there so he set off like hago mad but i kept up a post pace for my horse sweat so and seemed as tired as i was now look thee mary after this i had not ridden much above a half a mile but i heard some folk coming after me a gallop a gallop as if the dale had had a holiday they had hardly overtaken me when one of them said this is my horse and i will have it too if old nick stand not in the gap with that a lusty rude tyke pulled out a thing like a piece of a bassoon and slapping me on the shoulders with it said friend i'm a constable and you're my prisoner the dale take your friendship and constableship too said i what do you mean man what must i be a prisoner for you've stolen this horse said he and you must go back with me before a justice i've stolen none of it said i for i have this moment got upon it and a man who has galloped before and who i took for the owner gave me leave so what business have either you or the justice with me stuff stuff 
"'Mere balderdash,' said the constable. With that I leapt off the horse in great heat, and said, "'If it be yours, take it, and take it to the dell, for I know nothing of it, nor of you either, not I.' Mary. "'Well acted, Thomas. That was manfully said and done too, I think.' Thomas. "'But hush, Mary, and thou shalt hear farther.' come come said constable that whiff-waff stuff will not do for me for go you both must and shall either by hook or crook and with that he pulled out some iron trinkets that ripped like a parcel of chains wounds thought i to myself what are these if they be shackles i am in a rare scrape indeed i am worse off now than ever i was i shall be hanged to some devilment this very time for by my troth, Mary, I hated the jingling of his thingum-bobs, as ill as if thou or any one else had been ringing me passing-bell. Mary. Good Lord's days! It is not to tell how cross things can happen. Thomas. However, I mustered up my courage and said, Hark, you constable, put up those things that jingle so, and if I must go, I will go, and quietly too for thou knows that force is medicine for a mad dog mary why thomas it has now buzzed into my head that this same horse-jockey had stolen this horse and for fear of being overtaken got you to ride to save his own bacon and so put yorkshire on you thomas why i think thou guesseth to a hair for he slipped the rope from around his own neck and wound it on mine that is certain however it made pitiful work indeed to be guarded by two men and a constable back again through rochdale where i had so lately lost me bitch and been so very dirtily rolled in the gutter however these constable folk were mighty modest and as mute as moles for we got through the town with very little staring at us and less questioning and were at the justices in a crack mary eh hey, dear thomas did not a halter run strongly in your head for something runs in mine as if it were full of ropes and pulley-bowls thomas why look thee mary i thought so plaguy hard that i could think of nothing at all for thou seest i was alarmed in all sorts of ways still i had one comfort always in my head for thought i to myself I have stolen no horse, not I, and thou knowest that truth and honesty, going hand in hand, together, hold each other's backs primely, and stand as stiff as a gablock. Mary, true, Thomas, they are prime props in a difficulty, that is certain, but I yearn to hear how things turned out at the end of all. Thomas, thou hast no patience, Mary, but hold thy tongue and thou shalt hear for thou must know that this same constable was as proud that he had taken poor tom prisoner as thou wouldst be if thou had taken a hare and had her in thy apron just now but the gobbin never considered that hanging would not be called good sport by anybody in their senses and that it was enough to edge a finer man's teeth than mine however he knocked as boldly at the justice's door as if he would have banged it down this brought a proud gruff fellow out who put us into a place where there were as many books and papers as a cart would hold to this man who i soon perceived was the clerk the constable told my woeful case 
and in truth mary i was as senseless as a goose and began a trembling as if i had stolen a whole string of horses then this fellow went out a while and returned with justice whom i glanced at seriously and thought he resembled old john o dobbs whom thou knowest always wears a brownish white wig that hangs o'er his shoulders like cow-tails well mr constable said the justice what have you brought me now why please your worship we have just now taken a horse-stealer who was making off with the horse as fast as he could god thought i to myself now or never tum speak for thyself or thou art throttled at this very time so i spake up and said that is not true mr justice for i was only going at a foot's pace humph said the justice there is not much difference as to that point however hold thy tongue young man and speak when thou art spoken to well thou man in the brown coat thou said the justice what hast thou to say against this fellow here is this thy horse sayest thou it is sir here clerk bring us that book and let us swear him here the justice said a nominee and told him he must take care of what he said or he might easily be forsworn or hang that youth there well and thou sayest that this horse is thy horse is it it is please your worship and where hadst thou him sayest thou i bred him sir in what country colnedge sir and when was he stolen sayest thou last day but yesterday about three o'clock in the afternoon for our yem saw him about two and we missed him about four o'clock and from colnedge thou sayest yes sir then the justice turned himself to me and said is all this true that this man says hearest thou me it is said i part of it and part of it is not for i did not steal this horse nor is it above two hours since the first time that i spread mine eyes upon it how camest thou to be riding away with him then if thou didst not steal him why in good deed sir as i was going towards home to-day a fellow with a little round hat and a scrunt wig the colour of yours but shorter overtook me he was riding one horse and led another now this man seeing i was tired because i went wiggelty waggelty in the lane offered me his led horse to ride but he rode off whip and spur though he could hardly make the horse canter before and would stay for me at an alehouse on the road now mr justice i had not gone three-quarters of a mile when these folk overtook me told me i had stolen this horse and now have brought me hither as if i were a yorkshire horse-stealer and this is all true mr justice and may i never go to a good place when i die mary primely spoken i faith thomas you completely beat rye not in telling this tale think i but what saith justice then thomas why he said hearest thou me again thou youngster tell me where thou wast the other day but yesterday especially in the evening wilt thou why said i i set out from home soon in the morning with a cow and a calf for rochdale my calf was killed in the lane with a mare's hoof as i came and in the afternoon i was all up and down in this neighbourhood doing my best to sell my bitch that folk called a bandyhewit to see if i could make the calf money up for my master but woe is me everybody was gotten fitted with them 
so i was cast in the dark and forced to stay all night at littleborough and where wast thou yesterday said the justice why said i i rambled up and down hereabouts again on this same endless errand and was forced to harbour all the last night in a barn where boggarts swarm lord bless us and breed too i believe for everybody says it is never without em and to-day as i was going home i met with the fellow that i took for a horse jockey and so was taken up for a horse stealer but hearken thou to me thou prisoner said the justice was not thou here the other day but yesterday with thy dog i was sir but you would not buy her for you were fitted too what time of day might it be thinkest thou between three and four o'clock said i believe me man thou art either there or thereabout said he here you master constable follow me now mary what dost thou think while these two were out a while this wastrel this tyke of a clerk called me aside and offered to bring me clear off for half a guinea says i man if i knew a halter must make my neck as long as a gander's to-morrow i could not raise half a guinea for hanged or not hanged i've not one halfpenny to save my neck with but says he wilt thou give thy note for it i'll give no notes not i for i might as well be hanged for this job as steal and be hanged for that and i have no other way to raise it but stealing that, that i know of mary good lord of mercy more rogues and more now fie upon all such wastrels for ever and a day longer say i thomas hush hush mary for now the justice and the constable came in mary eh hey, lord i'll be hanged myself if i do not tremble for fear but go forward thomas thomas why this justice after rubbing his brows and wiping his face said here you master constable you fellow that owns this horse i must say that you are both in the wrong box and have gotten the wrong sow by the ear for this youngster here could not steal this horse the last afternoon but one for between three and four o'clock on that day i saw him here myself and you say this horse was stolen from colne edge about that time now he could not be in two places at one time you know so hearest thou me young man i must acquit thee as to this job so go thy way home and be honest i will said i and thanks mr justice for you have pulled truth out of a dirty place at last so i made him a low bow and a great scrape with my shoe and came my way mary bravely come off thomas ay and merrily too i'll be bound now even god bless all honest justices say i thomas ay ay and so say i too for i had good luck at the end of all a tom had not been here to have told thee this tale but yet mary i think in my conscience that there are mice nests among some of them as well as among other folk oh why should this same clerk of his when he perceived that i was innocent propose to bring me off for half a guinea had not this a strong savour of downright cheating and nipping a poor folk and dost thou think that these justices do not know when these tykes play a hundred worse tricks than this in a year beside mary i heard that cunning fellow dicker yems o old harris say that he knew some of them that went snacks with these caterpillars their clerks 
and if so should they not be hugged on the same back and beaten with the same rod with their clerks hearest thou me mary no no not there marry for if such things must be done gradely and as they ought to be the bigger rascal should have the bigger smacks and more of em you know thomas but great folk often do what they will with little ones right or wrong what care they so let us leave such to mend when they can think of mending and now tell me how you went on with your master thomas ay by the mass mary had forgotten that why then thou must know in such a case as that i had no excuse to make for i told him how the calf was killed in the lane and that i had sold the hide for thirteen pence and then i could tell him no more for he caught hold of the dation that stood on the hearthstone and whirled it at me but instead of hitting me it hit the cream mug that stood on the hob and spilled all the cream into the fire then the batterel came and whether it lamed the child that was in the cradle i know not for i left it roaring and belling so as i was scampering away our sarah asked me where i would go i told her that nick of the farmer's great barn was the nearest and i would go thither mary of all the places in the world there would i not have gone for my two hands full of guineas thomas i guess thou meanest because folk say that boggarts always haunted it but thou knowest i was wearily knocked up force is medicine for a mad dog as i told thee before mary it matters not it would never have overcome me to have harboured there thomas well but i went and just as i was gotten to the barn door who should i meet but yedda jeremy's their new man mary that happened well for yed's as gradely a lad as needs to nipper them of a cake thomas true so i told him my case in short and sorry he looked i wish i durst let thee sleep with me said he but as i but came to live here this day same night i dare not venture but i will show thee a prime more of hay and thou mayst do moderately for anything i know that will do said i show it to me for i'm stiff and stark and ill done so while he was showing it me with lantern he said i have something to say to thee tom but i am loath thou meanest about boggarts said i but i'm still like to venture thou hast it it said he and i can tell thee i could like my place primely but for that however as the horses must be out very yarly i must proven them about one o'clock and i will call and see how thou goest on splud said i if thou must go so yarly i'll fodder and proven the horses for thee and thou mayst sleep if thou wilt lay the proven ready then he showed me how the muff was cut with a hay knife half way down like a great step and that i might come off easily on that side so we bade one another good night i was but just settled when i heard something in the barn good lords mary my flesh crept on my bones and my ears cracked again with hearkening presently i heard somebody call softly thomas thomas i knew the voice and said who is that thee sarah ay said she and i've stolen some water porridge and some thrutchins and a treacle cake if you can eat them fear me not said i for i'm as hungry as a rat why much good indeed go with them said she and you may come and begin for they need no cooling 
now i was in such hurry in getting to the food that i have forgotten the place that yed told me of so i fell down off the highest side of the muff and such a fluce of hay followed me that it drove me sheer down and sarah with the meat in her hand on the top of me and quite covered us both mary god's flesh that was a nice trick of the size of it was it not thomas ay so it was but it happened well that the porridge were not scalding hot for when we had made a shift to heave and creep from under the hay some of the porridge i found had daubed up one of mine eyes the thrutchins were spilled on the waistband of me breeches and the treacle cake stuck to sarah's apron however with scrambling and groping about in the dark we got up what we could and i ate it quickly for believe me mary i was so keen bitten i made no balks at a hayseed so while i was busy filling me belly she told me she thought her father was turned distracted and if i went home again i should be in danger of being injured my mistress would have me to run away for i should be loose at shrove tide and it mattered not much i thought this was good counsel so i got sarah to fetch my other shirt she did so and i thanked her bade farewell and so we parted i soon settled myself down again in the muff under a fluce of hay and slept so well that when i awoke i was afraid that i had overslept myself and could not proven the horses in time mary it was well for you that you could sleep at all for i must never have laid mine eyes together i'm sure thomas well but i started up to go to thorses and slided down to the lower part of the haymuff and by the lord of the mass what dost think i alighted hamstridden upon something that felt mighty hairy and it started up with me on its back down the lower part of the haymuff it jumped crossed the barn out of the door with me it took and into the watering pool as if the dale o hell had driven it and there it threw me in or i fell i cannot tell whether for the life of mine mary woo hoo what i the name of god will you say thomas say why i say true gospel and i was so frightened that i was worse set to get out if possible than i was when nip and i fell off the bridge mary i never heard such tales since my name was mal nor any one else think i thomas tales god's blood take them all together and they would nearly make a man stand on the wrong end mary well but was it all nick think you or was it not thomas i hate to think of it wilt thou hold thy tongue but if it was not old nick he was the order of it to be sure mary why thomas preu what was it thomas bless me mary thou'rt so yearnful that thou wilt not let me tell me tale why i did not know myself for an hour if i know yet mary well but how went you on then thomas why with much powlering i got out of the pool and by my troth believe me as thou wilt i could not tell whether i was in a slum or awake till i groped mine eyes out and as i was resolved to go no more into the barn i crept under a wall and stood like a gormbling or a perfect natural till nearly day and just then yed came 
Mary, that was passing well, considering the case that you was in. Thomas, true, lass, for I think I was never fainer to see anybody since I was christened. Mary, what said yed? Thomas, why, he lifted up his hands, and he blessed, and he prayed, and he made such marlocks. But if I had not been in that woeful plight, I should have burst with laughing. Then he asked me how I came to be so wet, and why I stood there, and such like questions. I told him I could give no account of myself, but that I was carried out of the barn by old Nick as I thought. Mary. I always had a notion what it would prove at the end of all. Thomas. Prithee, hold thee tongue a while. Thou puts me out. I told him I thought it was old Nick, for it was vast, strong, very hairy, and mighty swift. Mary. Eh, hey, what a great mercy it is you are where you are, Thomas. Thomas. Ay, Mary, so it is, for it is more than I expected, but thou shalt hear. Yed was so frightened with the little that I had told him, that he had got me by the hand and said, Come, Thomas, let us flit from this place. For my part, I'll not stay a moment longer. Said I, if thou wilt fetch my sark out of the barn, I will go with thee. Nay, said he, that I will never do while my name's Yed. Why, said I, then I'm like to go without. Do not trouble Ed about that. I have two at home, and I will give thee one. Come, let's get off, said he. So we were marching away, and before we had gone five rood, I saw something, and set up a great shriek, for I thought I had seen old Nick again. Lord bless us, says Yed, what art thou afraid of now, Thomas? I pointed finger, and said, Is not that the dale? Which, said he, that under the edge, said I. No, no, not it. That's our young colt that lies out, said Yed. The dickens it is, said I. But I think in my heart that that carried me out of the barn. Then Yed asked me if the door was open. I told him I thought it was. But I'm sure I fastened it, said Yed. That might be, for after thou left me, our Sarah brought me my supper, and she might have left it open. By the mass, said Yed, if so, Tum, this very colt will prove to be the boggart. Let's go into the barn and see, for it's not so dark as it was. With all my heart, said I, but let us stick to one another's hand then. In this manner we went into the barn, and by my troth, Mary, I know not what to think. There was a heap of colt dung upon the lower part of the hay muff, and the place where it had lain was as plain as a pike-staff. But still, if it was it that carried me, I marvel how I could stick on so long. It was in such a hurry to get away. Mary. What the firrups! It signifies nothing, for whether you stuck on or fell off, I find that old Nick was the colt that lies around. Thomas. Why, I cannot say a deal about it. It looks likely as thou sayest, but if this was not a boggart, I think there never was any, if they had been fairly sifted into. Mary. Mary, I am much of your mind. But hark you, did you find your sark? Thomas. Aye, aye, I have it in my pocket, see thou. For it is but just now that I took my leave of Yed, and now thou seest I'm running my country. Mary, and what do you think to do? Thomas. I think to be an ostler. 
Rackham Mexon, Kem, and Fettle horses as well as any one of them, although they may think I'm boasting. Mary, nay, I can believe you. Eh, hey, Lord, what a cank we've had! I must not find time to stay any longer. God be with you, for I must away. Thomas, old, nay, Mary, let me have one kiss at parting, for thou art not such a foul ween neither. Mary, nay, now, so. Thomas, go thou and slobber Sarah Richards if you be so loving. Thomas, whoo, now, how spiteful thou art. What if a body do like Sarah? There is nobody but like somebody. Mary, ay, true, Thomas, but then sometimes somebody likes somebody else. Thomas, I guess what thou meanest. For thou art glancing at that flopper-mouthed gobslotch bill o' old catties, because that folk say Sarah anchors after him. I marvel what the dale she can see in him. I am mad at her. Mary, like enough, for it's a foul life to love those that love other folk. But you are a ninny-hammer to heed her, for there is none such farrently talk about her. Thomas, why, what do they say? Mary, I may not tell. Beside, you may happen to take it none so well if a body should. Thomas. Why, I cannot be angry at thee, whatever thou sayest, as long as thou but repeats after other folk. Mary. Why, then, they say that she's a dirty, daggle-tailed, good-for-nothing, and, 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 and... Thomas. And what, Mary? Speak out. Mary. Why, to be plain with you, they say that her mother caught Billa old catties and her in bed together last Sunday morning. Thomas. Eh, the dev! Good Lord bless us! Is that true? Mary. How should it be otherwise? For her mother was crying and sighing to my mistress about it. Thomas. Slesh, Mary, I am fit to cruttle down into the earth. I would as lief have taken forty owls. Mary. Why, look you now, I'm even sorry for it. God help it, will it topple o'er? May I hold its head while its heart beats a while? Thomas. Eh, hey, Mary, thou little knows how it thrusts against my plucks, for if thou didst, thou wouldst not make such a fool of me. Mary. Now, in my good troth, I can hardly hold myself from laughing to see how fast you are in love's clutches. But I thought I would try you. Thomas. Mary, what dost thou mean? Mary. Why, I told a parcel of thumping lies on purpose. Thomas. The dickens take thee, Mary. What an awkward lass art thou. What the plague didst frighten me in this way for? Thou art a silly ween. I would as leave have gone there and forty miles. Mary. Aye, a hundred, rather than have had it to have been true. But I thought I would try you. Thomas. Well, and if I do not try thee sooner or later, it will be a marvel. Mary. It's a great mercy you cannot do it now, for cruttling down. But I must away. For if my mistress be come home, there will be a ricking. Well, think on that you would rather have taken forty owls. Thomas, I shall think that thou lookst a bit frisky, whatever Sarah Richards is. Mary, 
i've heard them say that guessing is akin to lying and that the proof of the pudding is in the eating so farewell thomas thomas mary fare thee well heartily and give my love to sarah let it happen how it will mary will you forgive me then thomas by the mass will i mary from the bottom of my heart End of part two